Coming up today on Abounding Grace. Now in Romans chapter 4, Paul is speaking to us of salvation and how it comes to us by faith. It's a gift of grace to all of us and it's a blessing to be forgiven by grace. It comes by our belief in God that he sent his only begotten son to live and to die and to rise again so that he might take the penalty of sin upon himself. That we're not working, working, striving, striving to get forgiveness. We simply believe and it changes our life. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You When you hear God will save us simply by believing in Him, you might be thinking that sounds too good to be true. But instead of dismissing this right off the bat, it would be wise to look into it. Well, we'll do just that today on Abounding Grace. Our source of information is the reliable and time-tested Book of Romans. It's there in chapter 4 we learn that salvation is by grace through faith and not of works. This is not uniquely a New Testament truth but an Old Testament one as well. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. What's it like for a person to live apart from forgiveness? What's it like in a person's life when they don't have the forgiveness of their sins through faith in Jesus Christ? For the person that's not spiritually connected to God, for the person that hasn't really dealt with the issues of their life. For some of us, it's been so long that we've been saved, we don't even remember what it was like. We've been walking with the Lord Jesus Christ for so long that we don't even have memories of what it was like to live in this world, what the hangovers were like, what the anger looked like, what the frustrations of life looked like, what the burden of guilt was that we carried around because of our own sin. No one and nothing could remove the knowledge of our own guilt. We couldn't drink it away. We couldn't run away from it. We couldn't find a relationship that would help alleviate it. We always had this burden of guilt in our lives. It was painfully obvious to us that even though our life was filled with stuff and people, our conscience still spoke to us, you're guilty. Maybe you don't remember the guilt. Maybe you don't remember the emptiness that you experienced apart from Jesus Christ. Sure, you had a lot of stuff. You were doing really well. You made your five-year plan. You got to your 10-year plan. You're working on your 15-year plan. And you were in that place where you say, I've got everything I've wanted and more. But it didn't seem to satisfy. You had, but you really didn't have relationships and successes. And all the money in this world didn't satisfy you. You just didn't have it. Drugs and alcohol and all sorts of stuff just masked that true emptiness that was in your soul. Oh, maybe you don't remember the guilt. Maybe you don't remember the emptiness. Maybe you don't remember the loneliness that you experienced spiritually, where you could be in a room filled with thousands and still feel like you're alone, that you had no connection. And then when people would start to talk about God in their life, you would begin to think about, I don't have that. 
and you would wrestle with it. The isolation. Why am I on this earth? What's my purpose? I learned in school that we're all just animals, and if I'm just an animal, then how can God love me, and how am I living this animal-type life, and here I am on a planet with billions of people, and why am I here? Maybe you don't remember the guilt or the emptiness or the loneliness. Maybe you don't remember the fear that you lived with. I mean, it was serious fear. The fear of death. Is there life after death? Is this really all there is? Are those Christians right? What if I'm wrong? What if I don't get it right? What if all this fighting with all these Christians, why, God, have you put all these Christians in my life and and now they're talking to me about death and I'm not sure? And this incredible fear. You know, those four things, you might want to jot them down using the word self because those four things are what every unbeliever deals with. And you can remember them by remembering the word self because that's the issue in an unbeliever's life. They're too caught up in themselves. S, that sense of guilt. E, the emptiness of life. L, the loneliness. And F, the fear of death. Would you please remember those the next time you're sharing the gospel with someone? The next time you've taken time out of your day to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ? Would you please look past all the barriers and all the things that people put up to push you out of their lives and remember that they're really dealing with some stuff on the depths of their own hearts? Oh, I know they might get all mad and yelling, and that's just because they don't want you close. Oh, I know they might, there's all you Christian, they start calling you names. That's just because they don't want you close. Because you're going to put your finger on that guilt. And the Holy Spirit's going to use you to put their finger on the emptiness and the loneliness and the fear. Keep them in mind as you're sharing with that boss and that brother, that mom, these things and others. I mean, you take those things alone, add to them, add to them the depth of the sin that's in their life right now. And how the enemy is using that against them, making them even more guilty and full of shame. Life without Jesus Christ is not a blessed life. It simply isn't. And even if you were to respond to me today and say, no, I do have a blessed life. I have all that I've ever wanted in this world. I've got this and I've got this and all my goals have been met. I'm going to say, great, God has blessed you in many ways, but you really don't know the blessedness of being forgiven by God's grace. You've only got a hint of it so far. And so Psalm 32, I ask you to open there because Psalm 32 is going to be used by Paul today to make a spiritual point. And I love that because the author of the scriptures, the Holy Spirit, uses men to use the scriptures to make a point. And Psalm 32, well, it is one of those psalms of repentance. You might have a little heading on yours. My heading above this psalm is the blessedness of forgiveness. And that's what the psalm speaks to. But let me tell you that I I think it's better put the blessedness of repentance, not just forgiveness. Before you and I ever experience forgiveness, there must be that corresponding repentance. The word simply put is to turn from our sin, to forsake it. And that's what David did. We know the story with David, committed adultery, committed murder. He's a manipulator. He's trying to work things out. He's living in sin. For over a year, he thinks he's gotten away with it. He's living as if no problem here, nobody knows, but God knew, didn't he? And he sent a man by the name of Nathan. And Nathan came with that little story that so infuriated David that David put down the hammer. Judge that man. Judge that man in your story, Nathan. Show me that man. I want to find that man because I'm the king and I can enact judgment. And you know that Nathan probably took a breath and said, You are that man, David. You're the man. 
It's you. God's dealing with your heart. It's your life. It's your issue. It's you. You know what you've done, David. You live with it. You know what you've done, David. It's destroying you. It's on your mind. It's in your heart. You know, David. You know, David. And what does David do? He has a choice, you know. You can go one of two directions when you're caught in sin. You can A, harden your heart and pretend you haven't been caught and pretend that God doesn't really see it and pretend that it's no big deal and pretend that you can keep getting away with it. You can pretend all you want, but your sin, the Bible says, you can be sure of this, your sin will find you out every time. The other option is you can humble yourself and repent. That's Psalm 32. He humbles himself. And look what he opens up with. A person that hasn't been forgiven can't write this. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. That Hebrew word there for covered is kafar. It's covered. In the Old Testament, prior to Jesus Christ, sin was covered, looking forward to the time where you and I now experience sin being taken away. And David says, it's blessed. It's wonderful. It's awesome. It's great. Oh, how happy is the man whose transgression is forgiven. Notice verse 2. Blessed is that man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silent, my bones grew old. I mean, it physically affected him. It was physically painful for him as he kept silent. Through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. And that's exactly what happens. My vitality, or that word also means strength, was turned into the drought of summer. And then verse 5, he turns a corner. I acknowledge my sin to you. If you're looking for a New Testament equivalent to that, you're one that likes to write in your Bibles, as I encourage you to. 1 John 1, 9. That's what he's saying here. If we confess our sin, God is faithful. If we confess our sin, God is just to forgive us and to cleanse us. David says, I acknowledged it. I confessed it. My iniquity I haven't hidden. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. Verse 10, many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. I've learned something as a believer over the years and as a pastor that even believers can deal with these issues of guiltiness and emptiness and loneliness and fear. You know why? Because somewhere along the way, we've opened the door to sin. And sin always brings these types of emotions to the very core of our hearts. And although you might consider yourself living a blessed life today, if you have not acknowledged your sin to the Lord and received his forgiveness, you really don't know what it's like to be blessed. Now, in Romans chapter 4, Paul is speaking to us of salvation and how it comes to us by faith. It's a gift of grace to all of us, and it's a blessing to be forgiven by grace. It comes by our belief in God. 
that he sent his only begotten son to live and to die and to rise again so that he might take the penalty of sin upon himself. That we're not working, working, striving, striving to get forgiveness. We simply believe and it changes our life. And in its place, God's righteousness is imputed to us. Let's pick up with verse 1. If you weren't here with us last week, we've studied the first five verses. And we'll just pick up for the sake of context today. As Paul now gives an example of a practical person. Abraham, the father of faith. And in the mind of those that were listening, for sure, people were thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, what about Abraham? Because remember, they thought he was perfect, perfect in all his deeds, and we learned that he wasn't. What shall we say then about Abraham our father, has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something of which to boast, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. So you want to know what Abraham has? He has faith, and his faith was accounted to him for righteousness. He wasn't a perfect man. All you had to do was sit down for Sarah for five minutes, and she would tell you he was not a perfect man. He would tell you himself, I'm sure, I'm not perfect Break your traditions and believe the truth. And that was the sum and substance of our time together last time. Pick up that study if you still battle with man-made traditions. If you still battle with things that maybe you were raised with. The Lord would have you to break them and exchange them for the truth of his word. And David now is quoted in verse 6. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from work. So Abraham's a great example, but he takes a pause and he says, oh, by the way, David says the same thing. When he's writing in his Psalms, he says the same exact thing. Why? Because the scriptures do not contradict themselves. Every author, if James is going to talk about something, Peter's going to talk about something, David, Isaiah, whatever human author God chose to use in reserving the scriptures for us supernaturally, they will not contradict. And so he quotes Psalm 32, verse 7. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Next to that word blessed, you could simply write the words, oh, how happy. There's a depth of joy that comes by knowing that your sins have been forgiven. Oh, how happy I am that God has forgiven me. Let me put it in different terms for a second. For me personally, I know me. I know me better than you do. I know my weaknesses. I know my failures. I know my stumblings. I know my transgressions. I know my past. I know my present. And my conclusion is, blessed am I that my sins have been forgiven in Jesus Christ. And I think you can say the same thing. Blessed are we. We're not caught in the bondage of sin anymore. We have freedom in Jesus Christ to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. We have new ownership in our lives. Jesus Christ, he bought us and paid for us with his own precious blood. Blessed are you whose sins are forgiven in Jesus Christ. You're blessed. It's a tremendous blessing that most of the people on the earth today do not experience. They know nothing of what it is to be blessed by the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And that's why they're so messed up, guys. They just don't know. And when I look back at my past or I look at my present, I come to the conclusion of how sorry I am I've gone that way. What was I thinking? 
what am I doing this? Where am I on this? And the blessedness for us is not that our sins are covered, but that our sins have been removed. You're in Romans. Look at chapter 4, verse 6. As David describes this righteousness, he describes it as blessedness. Listen to the person that God doesn't impute righteousness. Not only that, but it's been taken away. Flip back to chapter 3, verse 25. We looked at it a few weeks ago. What a blessing it is to be forgiven. And I pray you grasp that today. It'll change the way you approach things. It'll cause you to live a life of holiness and righteousness. It says that Jesus was set forth. It says, whom God set forth to be a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at this present time is righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Do you experience that joy today? That's an important question to ask, to think about where I would be or what I'd be doing apart from him. You see, I know that there are many Christians, I meet them all the time, that are continually, continually living under the shadow of shame for what they've done in the past. You've got this shame and this junk that you carry around because you know your past. You understand what you've done. And it's plaguing you. Everything in life, you see it colored by your past sin. Everything you look forward to, you're not willing to take a step of faith because of your past. You're not willing to step out in this direction because of your past. Your past isn't your past. It's actually invaded your future. And you get to the place where you say, I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I did this. I can't believe, what was I thinking? But friends, why can't you believe you did it? Why can't you? You know, the Bible says your flesh profits nothing. The Bible says that in our flesh dwells no good thing. And so when we're in the flesh, guess what? It profits nothing. And no good thing is going to come out of it. So what, why are you so surprised? I've learned over the years, too, that we're so surprised because we think too highly of ourselves. We think we've arrived. We think we're at the place where, you know, I shouldn't be doing that anymore. And of course, I know your desire is not to do that. But you've underestimated the weakness of your flesh. And you've grossly underestimated the power of God's Holy Spirit that dwells in you. And rather than walking by faith in the power of God in your life, you've chosen, perhaps, I've chosen to take things in our own hands. Instead of trusting God and all that He has done and continues to do. What do you expect, friends? Listen, what do you expect in your Christian life? Well, I'll tell you what I expect. I expect to be perfect, Ed. Not going to happen. Not this side of eternity. I think it's a great desire to walk in holiness, to grow in God's perfection, to see things change over the years, to see you fight that off and get the victory there, become a slave of righteousness there. But listen, you will never be everything you ought to be, everything you could be, everything you should be, everything you might be this side of heaven. God is working in you, and he will perfect that which concerns you, that that which he began in the Spirit, he will perfect and bring to maturity in the Spirit, not by our flesh. I want you to hold your places. Would you please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3? 2 Corinthians chapter 3. These are glorious promises. I draw your attention to verse 17. I know we blow it. I know we stumble. I know we make horrible mistakes. But God is a forgiver of sin. 
That's why he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, for you and me to receive a washing and a regeneration and a newness and a freshness. Listen, what the work of God in your life. Verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty, freedom, freshness, passion. There's freedom, there's liberty in the Lord. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. You might want to mark those two words. Being transformed. That's your life right now. You're being transformed. We'll get to that later on in Romans when we talk about the doctrine of sanctification. We're being changed. We're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. It's not from sin to sin. It's not from stumble to stumble. It's from glory to glory. You can jot this one down in Psalm 84, verse 7. We learn that we're not only being changed from glory to glory, but we're also being changed from strength to strength. And it's a matter of perspective, isn't it? Will you focus on your strengths or you focus on your weaknesses? And when you focus on the weakness of your flesh, then shame will follow you every step of the way. And you'll fall back perhaps into fear or anxiety or loneliness or emptiness. You know, when you and I fail, and we do, we don't lose Jesus. We don't lose him. You know, there's not something going on in heaven as I picture it that Jesus is looking down on us, always interceding for us, and then Ed blows it and Jesus is, forget about it. Oh, Ed, what's he doing down there? Whoa, I can't believe him. What's he? That's not Jesus. Got to get out of the kingdom, Ed. Get out. You're done. It's over. <laughs> so often we project some things that, you know, especially you guys that are parents, we project our parenting like on God, like, you know, with your five-year-old. I've told you, and I've told you, and I, you know what? Just pack your bags. That's it. Pack your bags. <laughs> get your little Thomas the Tank suitcase. Put all your clothes in there. Throw a few diapers there. Get out of my house. Okay, Bob. All right. Where am I going to go? I don't care. <laughs> Your husband comes home, your son's sitting on the curb with his suitcase. What's the matter, son? Mom, kick me out, man. Well, what are you doing here? Get out of here, you know. Look at these so knuckleheads. That's not how God deals with you. Pack your bags, you're out of the kingdom. Get out of here. I've told you and I've told you and I've told you. But you know, some people see God that way. You told me to pack my bags, Lord. You're kicking me out of the kingdom. You don't want anything to do with me anymore? And some of you have a real deep-seated feeling that's how God sees you when you fail. And it's not. Listen, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. You have a new relationship whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute sin. See, what's happening in my life is that sin isn't so sweet to me anymore. It's not so tasty. It's not so attractive. As a matter of fact, sin has become very bitter in my life. I don't want to go there. I don't want to put myself in places that will even make sin look sweet. I want to guard my eyes. I want to guard where I go. I want to guard my life when I am away. I want to have somebody with me all the time so that no accusation could come against me that there's no false accusation could stick. 
Well, we've been in the book of Romans today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is our teacher, and he is the pastor of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. You can hear this message again when you visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or hear Abounding Grace through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play to download that for free today. I'd like to suggest our resource of the month, a book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christmas. Taking the approach of a journalist, Lee Strobel searches out the true identity of the child in the manger. He consults experts on the Bible, archaeology, and messianic prophecy. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember this radio ministry is made possible through your generous support. And as the year comes to an end, this would be a wonderful time to hear from you. And you can place a resource request when you call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. We made it possible to donate online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Thank you again for helping us reach out through the radio with the gospel and truth of Jesus Christ. We'll get back into Romans tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.